Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, we're going to continue in our series in Ephesians, and we've called this series The New You. We've been in it for several weeks now, uh, and we've learned a whole lot in, in Ephesians, and mainly around our identity and our new identity in Christ. And the, the Ephesians is structured in a way that it's, it's sort of easy to follow. The, the first part of Ephesians, the first three chapters, tell us who we are. Um, talks about our new identity, gives us lots of information in there. And, and the last three chapters, the second part of Ephesians, tells us practically right, how to, how to live that out, how to live out our new identity. And, and a good way of describing living out our new identity is walking, is walking. And, and this is something I, I know. Uh, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with, with Jesus Christ, and we're to be in this relationship with Jesus, this close, intimate relationship with the Lord that resembles what? Walking. That resembles walking with, the God, with God. And I love that song this morning, Worthy is the Lamb. He's worthy of our praise, yes, but he's worthy of our walk, too. He's worthy of how we live our lives. Um, walking with God means this, we walk like God. Okay. Walking with God means we walk like God. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. That's where we'll be today. Verse 1 says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Now, your, your translation might say something like this, imitate God, right? Imitate God. Something along those lines. Just, just like children imitate their parents, right? That, which is a scary thought sometimes. Uh, just like children imitate their parents, we are to imitate God. We are to, we naturally imitate those that we look up to. Um, besides my parents growing up, who I, who I imitated a lot, um, I, I liked Michael Jordan. Anybody else like Michael Jordan? Most of the guys, right? Uh, but, you know, I just remember watching this guy's games, uh, glued to the television, not wanting to even get up to go to the restroom because I was afraid I'd miss a, an amazing play. Um, bought the videos, dressed like him, tried my best to look like him. I mean, I'm white, you know, I mean, I, I did my best, but uh, stuck my tongue out, practiced the moves, bought the Jordans every time they came out with a new one, kind of like the iPhones now. Uh, I just, I mimicked, I imitated Michael Jordan. And my wife, she liked MJ too. Just not Michael Jordan, but Michael Jackson. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot about her in our marriage, and she's a pretty good dancer, and she can do a lot of Michael Jackson's moves, right? So you'll have to, you'll have to get her to show you sometimes. She, <laughs> she can do the moonwalk going forward. Now, how do, you, how do you do that? I don't know. So we, we are to imitate God, okay? Now, does that confuse anybody else? How in the world do you imitate God? I mean, God is so big. God created the universe. Uh, God is invisible. Right? How do you imitate something that you can't watch and you can't see? Um, God is everywhere. Right? How are you supposed to focus in on that? Well, the answer is Jesus. The, the answer is, is Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews 1, it tells us that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. 
Uh, in Colossians 1, it tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And listen to this in John 14, 9. This is Jesus' own words. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Wow, that's amazing. So this is what I want you to think about this morning. Walking with God means we walk like Jesus Christ. Walking with God means that we walk like Jesus Christ. So here in Ephesians 5, uh, Paul talks about three areas in which we can imitate God by following Christ. Three basic themes, and we're just going to step through those together this morning. And in each one of these themes, you're going to find encouragement. You're going to find some advice you're going to find some things on what to do. And then you're going to find some precautions that Paul lists out. And we'll go through those together. So the first thing that Paul mentions is this. We are to walk in love. If we are to walk like Christ, we are to walk in the love of Christ. So verse 2. So follow God's example and walk in the way of love. Look at this. Just as, just as Christ loved us. And gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, there's different types of love, isn't there? I mean, I love my wife. I love baseball. I love my kids. And I love pizza. You see, uh, different types of love. And they should be, hopefully, on different levels, right, for, for some, some of us. The type of love that Paul mentions here is, is what's known as agape love. Agape love. It's a self-giving, self-sacrificing type of love. And this is the deepest love that there is. And look, when we display that type of love, it's, it's pleasing to God. It's a fragrant offering to God when we love like that. Why? Because that's the way that Christ loved. Now... What is the opposite of that type of love? What's the opposite of agape love? Self-love. Uh, a love for self. The opposite of self-giving is self, self-pleasing, right? Uh, loving yourself more than others. Loving yourself more than God. Caring more about yourself than you do about others. And caring more about yourself than you do about your relationship with God. That's not how Christians are to live. A love of self leads to other things. It, it puts you on the wrong path in your walk with God. Look at what Paul says here in verse 3. But among you there, not, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, Foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So I know that was a long list of things here, but Paul uh, lists a whole series of things that negatively affect how we love like Christ. And the two key phrases that I want you to sort of focus in on this morning are improper for God's holy people and out of place. Okay, so focus on those. Uh, Paul lists a whole bunch of things out. Sexual immorality, right? Greed, obscenity. Um, you might say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm good with a few of those. I'm, I'm not really 
Uh, sexual immorality, I don't struggle with that. But look, it's more than, than a physical act, sexual immorality. It's the thoughts, right? It's what you expose yourself to. Um, it, it's greed is what Paul lists out here. Who doesn't struggle with that to a degree? Coarse joking. You know, I would say a lot of us are in that type of atmosphere where we may be with friends and the conversations aren't what would please God, right? So we all sort of struggle with this to a degree. And look, Paul says these things are improper. Improper since Christians are God's holy people through Christ. Those things are out of place. Out of place in the life of a believer. As a matter of fact, those things are what you would, would expect to see in the life of a person that's not a child of God. Now, people who engage in those things, they may be nice. They may actually love. But that's not agape love, is it? It's, instead, it's a love of the flesh. It's a love of this, this world. It's, it's a love of self. That's not... That's not agape love. That is the opposite. That's not the love of Christ. Paul says such a person is an idolater. Idolater. Now, an idolater in this context is someone who places themselves on the highest platform. They, they place themselves above God. They, they do what they want without considering how their actions affect others and without considering how their actions affect their relationship with God. And Paul says this, Idolaters have no place in the kingdom of God. All right. In other words, this, that type of lifestyle, this type of self-love isn't symbolic of those who belong to God. You might say, come on, really? I mean, I might struggle in a few areas, but it's really not that big of a deal. Right? I'm, I, I'm more good than I am bad. I have more better days than I do worse. I do the best I can. What's the big deal? Look at what verse 3 says. Not even a hint. Not even a trace. Not even a hint. Um, you might have friends or coworkers that say, what's the big deal? Right? Or they give you a difficult time about wanting to grow in your faith. Well, what's the big deal with, with doing the things that I do? Look what the Bible says, verse 6. Let no one, let no one, let no one, spouse, boss, best, best, best friend, BFF, right? Let no one... Deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Now, there's a clear warning here. It's very clear for Christians to be cautious of outside influence on their lives. Why? There's a good chance that you could be deceived. There's a good chance that I could be deceived. And that affects our walk with God. That affects our ability to love like Christ. So Paul says this. What does he say? Don't be partners with them. Don't be partners with them. Don't be 
participants. Don't participate with them. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say you can't be friends. It doesn't say you can't talk to people. Just don't be partners with them. Don't do what they do. Don't act how they act. Don't say what they say. Don't live how they live. Now listen to me, uh, young people especially, but, but here recently I've seen uh, adults act like this as well. It's not okay to be part of the crowd if it's the wrong crowd. Okay? Um, it, it's not okay to blend in. Walking in love means this. It means that we love God in such a way that our old life doesn't spill over into our new life. That, that love for God is so strong that it prevents that from happening. The things we used to do before the gospel changed us from the inside out, those things are, are improper. And, and those things are out of place with who we are now. You know, since our new identity is in Christ... We are to love like Christ. We are to walk in that love, walk in the love of Christ. The second instruction that Paul gives us that we run into here in Ephesians chapter 5 is this. Walk in light. Walk in light. Verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So this is sort of connected to the previous point of walking in love. And I think that's on purpose. I think Paul does that on purpose. He just spills over into this, into a new conversation. He uses another metaphor here. The first one was love. This one's light. And he talks about light and darkness and contrasts those two opposites he says you were once darkness but now you are light notice something it doesn't say that you were in darkness it says you were darkness that's completely different isn't it you once were darkness but now you are light and that, that talks about our makeup. That talks about our identity. We once were darkness, but because of Christ, we now are light. That's who we are. Because of Christ, we have changed completely. There's been a drastic change. and We've already talked about this in Ephesians when Paul mentioned that through Christ, we've been brought from death to life. A drastic change. So instead of Doing the things that we used to do, we are to live differently. Instead of doing the things that are improper or out of place, we are to find out what pleases the Lord. There's a little bit of, of call on our part to be diligent, to seek out those things that please God. Not to live life carelessly, just day by day, but to think, God, what, how can my life please you? And, and proactively, practically, diligently seek those things out and live that way we're not to just easily fall back into our old ways into the ways of the world instead we are to look for ways that please God that honor God and look at verse 11 have nothing how much have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Now, God wants 
our lives to bear fruit. God wants our lives to be fruitful. That means productive. And fruit grows with light, doesn't it? I don't know of any fruit that grows in, in the dark. It won't. It'll die. Just like Paul said before, don't be partners with them. Don't participate with them. Have nothing, nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. But instead what? Expose them. Expose them. What does that mean? What does expose mean? To call somebody out? To broadcast everything on social media? To say you are exposed now. Everybody knows what's going on in your life, right? No, that's, that's not what that means. As a matter of fact, Paul says it's even shameful to talk about it. It's even shameful to mention those things. To talk about those things that are going on in others' life. Other struggles that people are dealing with. It's shameful to even talk about those things. Exposed means this. To shine a light. To, to expose something means to bring that object into the light. To shine a light into the darkness. Well, why? why? Why expose darkness? Look at this with me at verse 13. Everything exposed by the light becomes what? Visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You see, when we walk in the light, when we walk in the light of Christ, look, our relationship with God is strengthened, right? But that's not the only thing that happens. Because we are light, not just in light, but because we are light, God uses us to shine into the darkness. And and the goal is this, to turn darkness into light. That's the ultimate goal. When you go into a dark room or you go outside with a flashlight and you turn the light on, what happens to the darkness? It doesn't flee. No, what, what you pointed at is still there. It just becomes light. The, the darkness becomes light. Even here's, the, here's a fact that I know. Even the darkest dark can become light. If it is shined upon. That's the point. That's the goal. Don't blend into the darkness. Don't be a part of it. But instead be the light that you are. And expose the darkness. So that it too can become light. Listen. You and I have opportunity. After opportunity to allow our lives to be used by God. Uh, Every day we have opportunities to let our lives be witness, a witness to others to show the world the light and the life that is in Christ. Walking in light means that we live like Christ by, by being light and by bringing others into the light. By doing what we can to bring others into a relationship with God. So we're to walk in love. Secondly, walk in light. Thirdly, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Now, wisdom in this context is knowing what to do and then doing it. Knowing, you know, what God wants you to do and then doing it. 
Look at verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Again, here's another precaution to be very, very careful, to be on your guard, to, to pay close attention, right? Heads up, pay close attention to this, to what? To how you live. Pay close attention to how you live. Not just what you say, not just what you think, but how you live. Do you think God cares how we live? He sure does. And because he cares, we are to be careful, you see. Careful. We, we are to live wisely. We are to walk in wisdom by paying close attention to our lives. And by making the most of every opportunity that we have. An opportunity is not a random occurrence. An opportunity just is, isn't a chance happening. It's not. An opportunity is a specific situation where God wants to use you, God wants to use me to make a wise decision. An opportunity is a moment sovereignly orchestrated by God for you to step in to the darkness and to make a difference by being light. That's what an opportunity is. Look, God won't force you to make a decision. God won't force you to take a step. God won't force you to turn your light on. God won't force you to do anything. But what God does do time and time again is to lay before us opportunities to make wise decisions, to be the light that he wants us to be, to be the light that we are, to shine into the darkness and to bring others into the light. He gives us those opportunities. He says, therefore, verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know, walking in wisdom means that we're walking with God in such a way that we know what he wants us to do, and then what do, what do we do? We do it. That's wisdom. We, we're good with what he wants us to do. We feel at peace with it, and then what? We do it. And walking without God's wisdom is not only unwise. Paul says it's foolish. It's foolish. That's a foolish way to live. Well, how do we understand what God's will is, right? We've all thought that. Well, we pray. We pray. We have a, we have a prayer life, an active prayer life. We read God's word, right? Some of us struggle with... Um, discerning God's will, but we're not in his word. And, and then we come to church. We come together as a family to encourage one another, to help each other grow, maybe to hold one another accountable, maybe to give each other advice. Uh, you know, this is a good idea, this is not type of thing. Those are ways that help us understand what the Lord's will is. But remember, wisdom isn't just knowing. It's not just knowing, but wisdom is putting into practice what you know. Unfortunately, many times we know what to do, don't we? Unfortunately, many times we know exactly what we're doing is not what God wants us to do. But yet we do it anyway. 
I would say that is even more foolish than not knowing what to do. That's, that's disobedience. You know. Walking in wisdom means we are, we are in tune with God in a way that our decisions and our actions are based on His will for our lives. And what we do with our lives is in line with what pleases Him and what glorifies Him and what brings Him honor. Now, any of you that have had children know about teaching your children to walk, right? It doesn't just happen. There's a, there's a process there. They, they get stronger, they grow, then what? They crawl, maybe. They pull themselves up. They... They begin to get brave. At first, they're sort of timid, but then they're like, oh, I can, I can do some things with these legs. I can do some things with these arms. And they start trying different things, right? All the time, in between those stages, what are you doing as a parent? You're there. You're maybe moving stuff out of the way. Maybe you're keeping them from falling down the steps. I missed that a couple times. Um, my kids are okay, I think. I'll have to have them tested. But you're, you're, you're picking them up if they fall. You're wiping away the tears if they get hurt. You're putting a Band-Aid on the scrape. Look, part of, part of walking is Learning. Part of walking is getting stronger. Part of walking is this, the repetition of the right thing over and over. That's what walking is. Part of walking is also making mistakes. Part of walking is falling down. But here, listen, part of walking is getting back up. And you, you don't stop. You try again. And you keep going. I want to I ask you a question. It's not on the screen, so just listen. What's keeping you from walking with the Lord? What's, what's keeping you from walking in love? Maybe you struggle with all of these that we talked about. Maybe you just struggle with one, maybe two. What's keeping you from walking in love is what's keeping you from loving like Christ? Because that should not be. That should not be. Are, are you consumed with self? And look, I don't mean that arrogantly. But are you consumed with self? Remember, agape is self-giving, self-sacrificing. What's holding you back from, from that type of love? What's holding you back from reaching out and loving others that way? What's keeping you from forgiving somebody else? You know, what held Christ back from forgiving us? Nothing. Right? Are, are there things in your life that, that are improper and, and out of place? Right? That, that would keep you from loving like Christ. What's keeping you from walking in light? If you're a Christian, remember, you're not just in light, but you are light. You are light. The, and the Bible is clear about this. I, I, 
tried to count the number of verses where it talked about us being light, and there's, there's a lot. The Bible tells us that we are to be the light of this world, uh, and we are to shine light into the darkness. And here's a sobering thought. Sometimes your light might be the only light that a person will see. So how bright is it? Right? What's keeping you from walking in wisdom? Remember, w- wisdom is this, knowing what to do and then doing it. it. It's not wisdom if it just comes here and stops. One thing that the Bible promises in James 1.5 is that if we ask God for wisdom, he will give it. He will give it. He will give it freely without finding fault. That means God will not hold what you're doing against you if you ask for wisdom. We have to be careful and pay close attention to our lives, and we have to make sure that we're using those opportunities that are God-given and God-orchestrated, that he lays in front of us to do things that would honor him. So as we wrap up this morning, I just want to offer you three suggestions. These will be on the screen. Uh, I want to offer you three suggestions in your walk with the Lord. First, start walking. Start walking. I can't imagine my kids if they've never tried to walk or if they started and quit and, you know, I I didn't encourage them to, to move forward and go on. Start walking. Maybe you haven't been walking with the Lord. Maybe that's what God has brought to your attention today. The good news is, You can today. You have an opportunity to begin walking with the Lord. God has opened your eyes to maybe some things in your life, and this opportunity is yours for the taking. In a a walk, what are you doing? You're moving. You're not standing still. You're not laying down, but you're moving. You're walking to God, and you're walking with God as he leads you in your life. Life And look, you may need to get rid of some things in your life. You may need to quit doing some things. You might need to quit talking a certain way. You might need to get rid of some friends. That is tough. You might need to start making intentional steps to telling others about Jesus, which is just a basic elementary thing for us to do in our faith. You may struggle with that. That's always intimidating, but we don't have an option. We are commanded to make disciples, to tell others about Jesus, and to shine our light into the world. And I know I'm talking to mostly Christians this morning, but look, you may even need to start praying. Did I just say that in church? Yeah. Um, some of you might not pray, but ever so often. You know, some of you might need to start reading your Bible. Some of you might need to start making a, a more committed effort to be a part of this church family. Will, will you make that commitment today to, to start walking? And then number two. Once you start, keep walking. Keep walking. After you start walking, it's important that you keep 
walking. Look, if you have setbacks or what you consider to be failures, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. If you go through a season of difficulty, keep walking. Most often, most often, those are the times when your walk with God can be the strongest if you allow it. If you allow it. If you don't stop walking, your relationship with God can be the strongest in those moments if you keep walking with him. Look, this is sad, but so many times Christians start off and then stop. They start and then they fall back. They grow and then they stop growing. Look, we all make mistakes. We all will encounter difficulty and hardships. The Bible promises us that. And look, we may fall down a time or two in walking. But we are to get back up on our feet and continue walking with God. Just like parents are there to pick up their child who is learning to walk. I know this, God will pick you up and me up too. He will pick us up, encourage us to keep moving forward, to strengthen us. But we have to be willing to what? Keep walking. Keep walking. Then finally, number three, focus and refocus on Christ. Focus and refocus on Christ. Um, Did you know that it's a scientific fact that people can't walk straight? It's scientifically proven. Um, In the 1920s, a study by a German scientist revealed that for some reason, people cannot walk straight, and that's by nature. And this, even today, this still baffles scientists. They don't understand it. They can't figure it out. Uh, They did uh, a number of studies. They did hundreds of case studies with people, and what they did was they put blindfolds on the people. And they took them to different areas. They took them to deserts. They took them to grasslands. They even put some of them on a straight paved road that was straight. And they, what they did was they put blindfolds on them. And they said, for an hour, walk straight and try your hardest to walk a straight line. None of them did. They were all crooked. They were all off the path. And <laughs> I looked at the picture. Some of them walked in circles. Okay. Um, the scientists did then try to do something else. They did, they, in the study, they did something else. They took the blindfolds off, and, and they told the subjects to focus on, on an object in front of them, on a, on a fixed object, and start walking towards it. And you know what? That fixed the problem. They, they walked straight after this. And this is what the scientists concluded here. The scientists concluded that the only way people can walk a straight line is to focus on a fixed object in front of them without taking their eyes off it and walk straight until they reach it. Walk straight until they reach it. As Christians, we are focused on Christ. It's only when we place our focus upon Jesus that we can walk the way that God wants us to. When we take our eyes off Jesus, what happens? This way, that way, in circles, we sink like Peter. We need to focus on Christ, and sometimes we need to set our pride to the side and realize, 
I've taken my focus off Jesus. I need to place my focus back on Jesus, and I need to readjust my walk. I'm off here, right? We need to have those conversations with ourselves. As we live, we need to constantly think about Jesus, place our focus on him, look at the way that he lived, look at the way how he suffered, look at the way how he died. And we need to take those lessons and we need to model them. We need to imitate them in our own lives. Look, walking with God means that we walk like Jesus Christ. If we walk like Jesus, we will find ourselves walking with God. Amen? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I just thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit being here with us today. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who gives us the ultimate example of how to walk, who was perfectly obedient to what your will was, who loved with a self-sacrificing, a self-giving love. Father, our prayer this morning is that we would, too, love in that way, and that our lives would be a fragrant offering, pleasing to you. Father, help us to have wisdom and to do the things that you have called us to do, to do the things that you want us to do. Help us to have wisdom to say no to the, to the areas that you, want us, uh, to, that you want to prevent us from going to. If there's things in, your life, in our life that we, you have revealed to us, Father, I pray this morning that we would have the, the strength, the courage, and the love for you to, to grow in those areas. And Father, help us to be a light, a light in this dark world. Help us to have the light of Christ not only in us, but help us to live as light. All for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.